Okay, so you are listening to Aim for the Bushes. I am your podcast person, Pavlo, also known as JPav, also known as Pav, also known as Pavi. And today we are talking about women in sports. But before we get to that topic, it is common for uh, our show to have our what I call non-legal legal disclaimer. So basically, uh, the opinions that I or others uh, express is just that, our opinion. So you are free to uh, agree with them, to disagree with them, whatever you like. Okay. Uh, the reason why I mention this is because uh, I'm not trying to say that my point of view or whoever's on here, the points of view that we express are not, uh, you know, the only truth out there. We're not saying we're the ultimate truth. But it's it's okay to to disagree or have your own uh, opinion. With that out of the way, you may notice again that there is no Maggie the Mags with me. And again, this is our uh, quarantine edition of the show still going on. So I hope everyone uh, is being safe. Uh, you know, don't want anyone to get sick or anything like that. So that's what I've been doing. Uh, other other podcast people who are on the show are doing. And, of course, Maggie the Mag is also doing. So that is why it is just I, once again, your podcast person. But anyways, so let's go. So what is today's topic? As I mentioned before at the beginning, it is about women in sports. So what about women in sports? As you know, or as you may not know, I don't know. It depends how often you listen to the show. Sports are something that uh, we talk about here from time to time because sports is an interesting subject, I think. Because it encompasses so much uh, about society uh, in like such like, I don't know, I want to say like a concentrated fashion. Because there's like everything like in society you can find in sports. It's like a little microcosm, I guess, of like so many issues that exist in society in general you can like find in sports. So being that, one of the things is like, you know, the treatment of women. Uh, in this case, in the sport world. So, one issue that comes up is uh, in the professional uh, sport arena, if I can use that word, arena, uh, is the, the question of pay uh, for women. I mean, there's other issues in terms of how they're treated in, like, sports media and stuff like that. But right now, let's just focus on, like, pay. That, that the, 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 the idea of equal pay has come up recently and not saying it has only come up recently but it is something to contend with uh, recently in different uh, leagues and so uh, a lot of the time uh, women athletes are paid less compared to uh, male professional athletes of a given sport so like why is that you may ask or I may ask, because I'm asking that. Why Why is it that women make less in this case? Now, I know you can argue, uh, like I said, sports is kind of like a microcosm of society at large. So, I mean, there's been the argument of the pay gap or wage gap uh, in general, which argues that women get paid less on average for doing the exact same job. Uh, as a man would do. Now, I'm not really here to debate or argue that 
uh, here, like the general wage gap. Uh, I'm sure it exists. Uh, it's kind of a complicated issue with uh, all the numbers and stuff, and I don't want to make this a numbers game. So even for uh, things I'm going to talk about relating to women in sports, uh, I'm not going to be discussing specific numbers because once we get into into it more the the argument isn't based on just like strictly numbers it's kind of like the philosophy behind how we get to those numbers so it's kind of like how people are thinking in general as to why we get lower pay for for women in sport and if you want to look up the numbers go ahead uh any league or I don't know if it's something like golf or tennis where it's not like a league. It's a, I think pay is determined by the individual events in terms of who sponsors them and like their payouts and stuff like that. Or for international competitions, it depends that on the agreements that the different uh, organizing bodies make with like uh, the national governing body of whatever sport so it, it becomes like more complicated which is why like I said I don't want to get into the numbers like specifically in that regard because I, I don't want this is not an accounting podcast I'm sure some of those exist <laughs> but anyways so if we take a look at things like because I don't watch all, all sports actually before we get into like uh, you know why the why of uh why women get paid less uh, in sport. I just want to start off by saying that it's not a question of skill because sometimes when I watch videos or, or, or I read articles kind of like about this, depending on the person's or the author's viewpoint, uh, some people see it as like, oh, they're less skilled compared to male professional athletes. And it's not a question of being skilled, at least not for me, because they are just as capable or just as skilled so the university I went to, I, I worked in athletics. So I was at the university games for both men and women teams, depending on sports. So usually it was like soccer, hockey, and basketball. I think that's it. Yeah, those those sports. And the, the, the women's game was different. Even, even in uh, professional leagues or professional competitions, the women's game is different. It's played differently. So... There are differences in the game, but that doesn't mean that they are less skilled. Just different focus. Some of it is like due to like physical attributes. So generally, women tend to be uh, smaller, like in in frame, and height, and in weight. So the way they play the game will be slightly different. Generally, from my observations from watching university level sports. It would tend to be slower pace. Now that doesn't mean it was boring, because that's another thing that that people bring up. That they say that the it's the women's game is more boring or something like that, and it, it is definitely not. So even though sometimes they moved a bit slower, uh, or the pacing of the game was a little bit slower compared to the men's game, it wasn't any less like intense or exciting or anything like that. Because some of the games that you would watch, there would be close games sometimes and you know you could feel the intensity like in the in the atmosphere like in the crowd and stuff like that because sometimes it's a very close game very stressful sometimes it was very stressful. just watching it just me and like not even like 
playing the game, just like watching it as an observer. Sometimes like in sport, like I didn't really particularly care for. Like when I was working there, basketball was not a game that I really watched too much. I watch more now, but back then I didn't really watch it too much. So, I mean, I don't know. I didn't really know. Like I knew the basic rules, right? You can't basically walk with the holding the ball. Uh, but beyond that, you know, I didn't really know much of the rules so, about watching the game. So, I, again, it wasn't kind of like my sport. I always grew up, uh, I grew up, you know, uh, watching hockey and that being my main sport. Watching some of these games, the basketball games, you know, sometimes it would be very close game, very intense. So the intensity was there. So it has nothing to do uh, with with their skill or with their ability because they're just as capable. And speaking of women's basketball, uh, a lot of the times... Uh, you'll have I don't know I guess like male commentators or no I don't mean like mean broadcast commentators I just mean people who you know put out their opinions whether it's on YouTube or another podcast or like in a newspaper or on television whatever it is uh yeah again like they try to make the point that they're less skilled or try to discredit the uh, playing ability of of a women's team sometimes and i i was reading an article about uh women's basketball teams I, this was like a long time ago otherwise i would like link it in the show notes but when i read this i didn't even have the idea like for a podcast or anything like that but it was talking about how a lot of the times the women's teams like college this was in the u.s i think it's like college teams like they scrimmage against like Random dudes. I don't know how, exactly how it works, but they would scrimmage against like mixed teams or whatever, or they needed players to come in so that the the people on the team can kind of um, you know hone their skills and you know run different plays. So they do these kind of things where where they they I don't necessarily if it's a scrimmage, but you know they do these kind of like uh, practice games. And they would usually recruit men, and a lot of the women players were saying a lot of guys would show up, who who are probably of decent skill. I'm gonna guess. So I don't think they just take any old Joe Schmo off the street, but a lot of the dudes would show up thinking like, oh, this is a women's team or predominantly women's team. Like this is gonna be like a walk in the park, and they're just like, kind of kind of taken aback, a little. and then they realize quickly like, yo, these are people who have like skill, right? They're not like, again, they're not regular Joe Schmoes. These are people who have worked at their sport for a number of years some probably since like they're little kids right so again it's just to say that it's not a question or my my what i'm going to be arguing here as to why they're not paid as much has nothing to do with skill it's nothing to do with intensity games are not boring like i watch i don't watch women's games that much like in terms of like professional professional uh leagues or competitions or whatever because Part of it is not always available to watch. I do watch like major competitions, like I'll watch the Olympics. So I'll watch, um, you know, women's hockey, because like I said, hockey is generally my main sport. So during the Winter Olympics, I'll watch men and women go for Team Canada on both. Summer Olympics, I'll watch like soccer. Generally, the women's more so than the men, because the men, I believe, are all like amateur. So they're different compared to like their normal national teams. Whereas for women's soccer, it's generally the same. I, I mean, I don't watch it very often because it's like once every four years. Uh, you know, I watch FIFA competitions. So like the World Cup, the Women's World Cup. 
I'll watch those like because it's a major tournament that's broadcast everywhere. But like WNBA or some of the women's uh, hockey leagues, not really because like it's not really carried or it's not easily accessible for me uh, necessarily to watch. If it's on, sure, I don't mind watching it, but you know, it's just not widely available. But anyways, so looking at professional athletes who happen to be women, why are, why are they paid less? Well, the answer lies in this little thing called capitalism. Now, I know in most shows they say capitalism is the, you know, cause or root cause of a lot of uh, injustice or evil in the world. And in this arena, it is no different. It is because of capitalism. So there's a couple things here. One. I guess the most important thing is that a lot of these women's leagues, I'm talking leagues like for like um, hockey and basketball, I, I guess also for soccer, and I know there's a women's soccer league. I'm not sure how old all these leagues are, but I don't think any of them are more than really like 30 years old. So that's the first thing is just time, right? All these leagues and, and these, these uh, sports – they need time to grow and like build an audience. Because if you look at men's leagues, you know, let's look at the NHL for a second. If you look at the NHL, it started uh, in 1917. So over 100 years ago. And that's just the NHL. There was like the NHA before that, but that's a whole other story as to how the NHL was formed because basically the NHA, the precursor to the NHL, all the, the, all the team owners didn't like the team owner from Toronto. And they're like, we're going to make a new league without you, the, the owner from Toronto. And so that's how the NHL was formed. Basically to spite one of the owners that they didn't like. But if you look back then, when, when the NHL first formed and you know, it's first couple of decades, you didn't have the salaries that people get paid now. Well, it didn't exist, right? I don't. I'm. I'm pretty sure in those early years, you weren't paid enough to like live off that exclusively. People had to work jobs outside of uh, playing hockey. Even how they would acquire players. Generally, it was just people from the town that this the the team was in. Nowadays, that rarely happens, right? Because you know they can pull people from all over the world, basically now. Whereas before, it was generally like around the city. That's how they like pulled players. And before, there was no bar. Uh, there was no uh, free agency. It was different. Very different. Couldn't move around easily or as easily. You didn't have like really negotiating power too much. That's why they have like the players unions and all that stuff. But looking at the example of hockey, it's not till like the sixties where we get like our even first million dollar contract with Bobby Orr, who becomes like kind of like the face of the league. All right. So if that's in the sixties and the NHL started like in the late 1910s, so 1917, that's like around 50 years until we get like a million dollar contract. So that took a good amount of time. And and granted, that's not everyone made a million dollars, right? That was just one player. You know, that was just Bobby Orr. Because even, even if you look at uh, how much 
players make today, whether it's in uh, the NFL, NHL, MLB, NBA, or MLS, well, MLS still a smaller league, but if you look at the top paid players in all those leagues, like not everyone makes the top dollar, right? They have league minimums now, but not everyone is making, you know, $50 million a year or something like that. So that's one of the issues, right? Women le- women's leagues don't really start till like the 90s. Now, I'm not saying that's because someone could point out, okay, in 1975, there was a woman. Okay, maybe, but our current, where we are now, most of the professional women's leagues only started, like, I would probably say less than 30 years ago, right? And there's been a few that have folded, like, since, like, like, the 90s. So, again, it needs time to grow. But they're not, again, they're just as capable. They're very skilled, you know, in any of the sports. Like, I'm like a decent sports playing person. They'd probably kill me, right, uh, in whatever given sport. Because they're good. Like, again, they've, they've practiced since probably since they were a kid. Like, they have the skill. The skill is there. The games are entertaining. But part of the reason, again, is because... Uh, the leagues have not had time to grow. Now, if you compare it to other men's leagues, like lacrosse. Now, if you don't know what lacrosse is, it's kind of like hockey, except you have a little ball and a scoop at the edge of a stick, and you kind of launch the ball to other players on your team, and you throw it into a net that's guarded by a goalie, similar to hockey. But instead of on ice and with a puck, it's on... Well, I guess if you were playing outside, it would be on a field, but generally it's played in an arena with kind of like a fake turf. And it's similar, like set up to hockey kind of thing. But there's a professional lacrosse league. I've been to a couple of lacrosse games a long time ago. If you look at those players in those professional leagues, or in that professional league, the National Lacrosse League, I don't know if there's more than one, they're not paid that much. Because it's not a popular sport. I don't even think they have a TV deal. Maybe they do. I don't know. That's how popular they are. Is I don't even know if they have a TV deal or not. So that's one of the things. Right? That something like lacrosse would need time to grow. Even though the sport itself has been around for a long time. The actual professional league. Which I think has been around since like the 80s. Still would probably need time to grow if it ever catches on. It may never catch on. It's not a guarantee. So if we look at, like I said, lower men's leagues, either like different sports altogether aren't as popular, or like if you want to look at hockey, something like uh, the AHL or I think ECHL, these are smaller, minor, generally developmental leagues, you make less money than you would if you're playing the professionals. Because you have less people that go to watch, less people are invested in it. And that's kind of what happens right now, at least with women's leagues. Is that there just isn't that interest that's there. So like I said before, like this comes down to a question of capitalism and how our society operates with these things. Now, looking at the WNBA, because they have been 
uh, I guess, more outspoken recently in terms of like how their players are paid. Now, I also want to stress in terms of like how much players make. I'm always on the side of the player. Whether it's a, you know, a, a, a woman athlete, a, ma- a male athlete, I'm always on the side of the player to get as much as they can. Now, why is that? Because the team goes on. I mean, yes, teams fold sometimes, but generally the team goes on. The team is what makes the most money, the team as a whole. And so as a player, you devote part of your life to that team and you are the reason or one of the reasons why people go and pay to see the team whether it's to go see it in person whether it's to watch it on tv whether it's like uh, through a streaming service whether you go to a bar to watch games whether you buy merchandise jerseys all that stuff is because of the people on the team that's why people go people don't go for like the team specifically team has to be good and what makes it good the players that play on the team like if you look at for example the chicago bulls they weren't particularly popular until michael jordan got there and started playing so jordan got there they started getting good eventually started winning championships people want to see the chicago bulls because michael jordan was on the team even when he went to play baseball, he played minor league baseball. The Chicago Barons. Oh, wait, were the Chicago Barons? Well, I don't know if they're from Chicago, but the Barons. Wherever the Barons played, that game was sold out. Do people care about minor league baseball? No. Do some people care about minor league baseball? Sure, because they do sell tickets. People do go because it could be a good alternative. Uh, to see semi-professional players play or baseball players play because depending where you live, maybe the tickets are super expensive. It could be hard for a family to go see a professional baseball game, right? I know that's a big issue for like hockey, especially where I live in Montreal where I was born in Toronto to go see the Leafs play. I have never gone to see the Leafs play in Toronto. I've seen them play here in Montreal just because the tickets are too expensive. So for a family going to like a minor league or a developmental league is a good option to see see uh, people play the game. But going back to the minor league there with Michael Jordan when he when he was in his NBA retirement and was playing minor league baseball, the uh, when the Barons were the visiting team, all those other teams sold out. Why? Because people want to go see Michael Jordan. <laughs> Even though he wasn't playing basketball. They wanted to see Michael Jordan. That is what drove them. So it's the players that people want to see. So I'll always be on the side of the player, like I said. So the team goes on and the player dedicates part of their life and their skill and their abilities to the team. But that period of time is finite. So either the player gets traded, either they retire, or what can happen is they get injured. And then when you get injured, you're no longer useful to the team. And if you're no longer useful to the team, they say, why am I paying you so much money if you can't bring people to watch the game? And it can happen. It's happened to several players where they're very good, very skilled, but they get injured. And then when they're injured, again, 
the team says, well, why am I paying you? And a lot of people have, I don't say lost their careers, but ended their careers because of injuries. Sometimes it's like too many concussions. Uh, sometimes it could be knee. Sometimes it could be back injuries. And it becomes that the person can't play or they can play, but they don't have the same level of skill anymore. So like I said, so the time that you play for the team is finite, but the team can go on. Like if you look at the Montreal Canadiens, they've been around for over 100 years. If you were a player that played on the Canadiens, maybe you played, what's the maximum you could probably play? 20 seasons? Maybe if you're the rare exception, you could play 25 seasons. It doesn't matter if necessarily if you're with one team, but, you know, playing in the NHL. So that's a small amount of time compared to how long the Canadians have been around. But whether or not you play successfully for 25 seasons, for example, you're the rare anomaly that can that can sustain a career for that long. By the end of it, like your last couple of years there, like you're not the dominant force that you were, let's say, you know, probably 10 seasons prior. So you're not going to... I wouldn't expect anyone to be that. I mean, again, if you're the rare exception, maybe you can be that productive still. And again, that's the key word there is productive. So eventually your career is going to end and then you're not going to have anything anymore. So sometimes people complain, oh, they make too much. It's like, yo, they have to make that much because look, it's them that puts their body on the line. Not the team owner, not anyone in management, not the general manager, not the coach. Right, It's the player who's on the ice or on the field or on the court, whatever it is. So, like I said, I'll always be on the side of the player because you need to maximize. You need to get as much money as you can because it could all disappear tomorrow. So, getting back to something like the WNBA. So, if you look at their salary, significantly less they're paid compared to NBA players who, uh, well, if you're one of the top players of the league, you can make easily you know, 30, 40, you know, $50,000, uh, 50,000. Yeah, that'd be good. Uh, $50 million. So yeah. So looking at the WNBA again, they make less, considerably less than the NBA. Now you say, why is that? Again, it comes down to capitalism. I took a look at people who own, own the teams of the WNBA. It's not a very big league. I think there's less than 20 teams, maybe 12. I can't remember off the top of my head right now. And maybe you're saying, Oh, you should have written that down. You should know that. And I'm like, okay, you're right. I should have. But here we are. And I looked at who who owns these teams. And I'm pretty sure all the owners at least have a net value or net worth of $100 million. Some of them have a value, net value of a billion or over a billion. Some of them are from individuals. Some of it is from some teams that are owned by large corporations. So these teams are, oh, not the teams, but the team owners are well off. They're definitely super rich. But again, this is under a capitalistic system. If I'm an owner, people see their ownership as an investment. I buy a team, doesn't matter the league, but let's say I buy a team, the WNBA. My goal is to make money off this team. That's why I bought it. That's why people buy NBA teams or NFL teams or NHL teams. So it's a, which um, this week the Seattle franchise just announced like their name and team colors and all that stuff. The people, the ownership group in Seattle, they bought a team and they're expecting to make money from that team. It's the same thing in the WNBA. You buy it, 
Now, maybe why you do buy a WNBA team is because you could probably buy it a lot cheaper. Whether you buy an existing franchise or you get um, an expansion bid in, it's probably cheaper than buying an NBA team or getting an expansion franchise in the NBA, for example. So you could potentially make a lot of money if the WNBA ever takes off and it becomes huge and starts pulling in lots and lots of money, billions of dollars. Now, if you read about the WNBA, you'll see that it is a league that has lost money every single year. And it is propped up by the NBA, which is fine. I have no issues with that. I have no issues with it losing money every year. I have no issues with the w, uh, with the NBA propping it up, putting money into it. So people may look and say, yeah, why why don't those WNBA players make more money? And some people would say, well, they don't deserve more money because they, the, the league has lost money every year. It's like, yep, that's exactly right. The league has lost money every year. So if you think about it this way, as a team owner, this is my investment. From what I've read, I think only like three or four teams are like cash flow positive. So I guess they make more money than they spend. So if I'm an owner and this is my investment, I want my investment to grow. But the league overall has been losing money every year. So my investment is not growing. So if I'm not making money, why am I going to pay my players more? Right. That's basically what it boils down to. Like they can pay their players more. Like I said, most I, I would I would say that every single owner is at worth is worth at least a hundred billion uh hundred billion a hundred million dollars at least. There's more that are like closer to five hundred million, and there are some that are like like I said over a billion. They can pay their players more. And like I know, yeah, okay, I don't know pay structures and all the legal stuff paperwork behind it, but potentially they could. They have the money. If you're someone that's worth a billion dollars, you have the money to pay the players of your team more. You can invest in better facilities for them and all that stuff. But why would I? Now, I'm from coming from the point of view of, of an owner. Why, why would I do that? What's my incentive to do that? Again, because this is under a capitalistic system that we operate. Why am I doing that? Why am I putting more money into something that is losing me money overall? That's just how it works. I'm not saying it's right. and I'm not saying it's fair. I, I know what's come up is that I think players themselves and other outside critics or whatever are saying that they should be paid the same percentage wise based on like league revenue. So basically, obviously, they're not going to be paid the same amount as uh, an NBA player or I don't know if that's from the bottom or from the top, but anyways, they're not they're not paid the same amount as an NBA player, but they should be paid in kind of like proportion to like using the NBA as an example, proportion to like the league generates total amount of revenue, which I think is several billion dollars, and then the players make a certain percentage of that. That's I know something that the w, WNBA has been at least the players have been advocating for is making kind of like the same percentage of whatever the total league revenue is. But again, I don't think that's going to happen. I'm not saying it's right, but I'm not, I don't think that's going to happen because the league loses money generally. And I think majority of the teams lose money. It's always hard to tell with these things because a lot of these numbers aren't published. They're not made public. So it's always hard to know 100%. I don't know where like regulatory bodies come in to verify all this stuff or audits. Like, I, I don't know. I'm not like, again, I'm not an accountant. So... That's why this is a little side tangent here for like arenas, 
which I have an episode about if you want to go back and listen to that one if you have not yet. But this is one of the reasons why I'm against public funding for arenas because now this is talking about, you know, the major North American leagues, right? NFL, MLB, NHL, and NBA. Like those teams are all owned by like billionaires or billionaire companies. And if they're not billionaires, definitely like at least like $500 million like net worth. Like these are very rich individuals that are rich corporations that own these teams. They do not need public funding to build a new arena or like tax breaks or like land deals where like they get sold like this land for like super, super cheap. It's not necessary. Of course, if I am a billionaire owner or corporation or whatever, will I reject free money? No, no one's rejecting free money because sometimes people say, oh, like these teams don't make money. Like I know a lot of like the southern U.S. teams in the NHL, it's always been said that they don't make money. I don't know because they don't actually publish their books. Like they don't show how much they actually make. I think that would be at least one component that would be absolutely necessary for a team to receive public funding for an arena project. They don't need the money. They generate so much that if they need to build new facilities or whatever the case may be, they can take care of it on their own. So by the same token, if they want, they can pay their players more. Now, they don't have to pay players an absurd amount based on what the league itself pulls in, but they can increase what they pay them. But again, at the same time, this is something that I guess I'm always surprised that no one ever talks about it. And I guess it makes sense because we want to keep the system, well, not me personally, but those who are who have this financial power want to keep the system going. The onus is always on how much the players make. It's never how much the team or the owner makes. So players will get called greedy. So I've seen this from, again, commentators. I don't mean like sportscaster commentators, but I just mean like, again, people like websites, newspapers, uh, you know, other podcasts. Uh, people on YouTube, whatever the case may be, saying that players are greedy. This this just doesn't extend to women's leagues, but it does come up in men's leagues when there's like contract negotiations and there's kind of like a stall or a block in the negotiations because some of these leagues have salary caps. So obviously there's a limit to how much you can pay a certain player and obviously make a team competitive at the same time. But regardless, Real change won't come until the teams make enough money and then they'll start paying players. Now, part of this problem also comes from how we as a society view women athletes. As I talked about in the beginning, a lot of times people write them off already. Like I said, a lot of criticisms towards like women's versions of certain games is that, you know, they're slow or they're boring or something like that. And if if someone says that, when like to me, it's like, okay, you don't really watch now, I'm not saying you have to be a regular viewer because I myself am not a regular viewer of uh, of women's professional sports. But I, like I said, I do watch it from time to time. And I did watch a whole bunch of it at the university level. And if you're saying it's not exciting or it's not um, stressing or anything like that, it's just like you're not watching. Like, can a game be boring? Yeah, of course. I've seen boring games, but I've also seen boring men's games too. So they exist, obviously. But the main point is that a lot of the time, again, they just get written off strictly because it's the women version of the game. And so that comes from, part of it comes from how we view women athletes. So a lot of the time, they're just known more for their looks. Now, I'm not saying it's their fault. It's just how it's interpreted in the sports media and in the media in general. 
you see this come up from time to time uh, if you look at how or if you look at the type of questions that women athletes are asked just look them up go go and look them up and see how how they are addressed sometimes some of their questions and there tends to be more comment on their commitment to their profession so whichever sport it is they play sometimes they like, oh they're foc- they're more focused on like their looks or like things outside of the sport now this is a criticism that also comes up against you know male athletes as well uh, there have been several players like over the years where antics people will criticize them for letting that distract from their gameplay that happens with women athletes as well but it tends to skew more towards like them being more concerned with like their looks or something like that or how they're perceived more so than just like quirky personality or anything like that you can also look at um in photo spreads and like magazines i don't know if people still read magazines widely anymore but you know, it's something like Sports Illustrated or, I don't know, GQ or those, those kind of... I don't really read magazines, but those kind of magazines. If you look at how they're photographed, a lot of the time, a woman athlete will... Now, I'm not saying oh, a woman athlete can't pose in, like, a more... I don't say sexual or provocative, but, you know, feeling good. I'm not saying they got to be, like you know, in a business suit all the time or covered completely because that's just too scandalous but if you do look how they're photographed it tends to be more based on their sex appeal compared to a male athlete how he would be photographed from things i've seen generally i would say like men tend to be you know portrayed more for like their sense of style and fashion and like photo shoots or more showcase their personality or what have you Whereas uh, a woman athlete, probably it's going to focus like on their body. And again, there's nothing wrong specifically with that. It's just that that's how they tend to get portrayed uh, in photo shoots or photo spreads or whatever you want to call them. And that's what they kind of more get like praised for is how they look more so than the skill that they have in their particular sport. If you look sometimes, I think it was for soccer, FIFA official was like, or he was asked, um, you know, how can we make the women's game more interesting? And I was kind of like, oh, give them like shorter shorts or something or sexier outfits was like the response, right? And it's like, that's not anything you would ever say towards the men game. No one would ever say, yeah, give them sexier outfits. I mean, maybe that would work. I'm not saying it wouldn't work, but it's just a type of response that you wouldn't hear for how to improve the men's game or get more viewership towards the men's men's version of the game and i guess the last thing to consider here is that these are all separate leagues right i know because i've heard people say all oh, women athletes should be paid equal to what what male athletes make and like again i'm not against that sentiment but because we live in a capitalistic system no one is going to justify paying these athletes who are relatively unknown the same amount of dollars to the major professional men's sports leagues it's just not going to happen there's no justification for it again i'm not saying that they shouldn't be paid that much i have no problem i don't care i mean beyond the idea of just paying people that much in general i think it's athletes get paid too much not again it's just more within the system though of like i don't just don't think people should have that much money just in general but since we're in that system like i said that you should get 
as much as you can because it's you sacrificing your body basically to make other people millions or hundreds of millions or billions of dollars right not you like yes you make money but like the team or the owner the league whatever they make way more money and like i was saying earlier that's something that doesn't get discussed at all as i as i was just uh just mentioning there these are all separate leagues so because they're all separate leagues and i know people want or again i've heard this argument that you know it should be paid it's like kind of like ridiculous that it's not that that women athletes are not like paid the same or even proportionally the same it's just like but they're separate leagues though i understand it's the same sport so if you're talking hockey one of the leagues closed down there were two women's professional leagues one is uh the national women's hockey league and then there was the canadian women's hockey league the canadians women's hockey league shut down because they just didn't have money to continue anymore so they ceased operations and i think both leagues have tried to pay a livable wage to their players so basically the idea that they can live off you know what they make playing the game but they're not big enough they don't generate enough revenue for that to happen so again like it would be great if they made like the same amount as the nhl or proportional but it's a separate league it has its own finances so yes even though they're playing the same sport it's different it's not owned by the nhl people have called for the nhl to like invest but they don't want to because as a business decision they see it as a losing proposition which makes sense again from this capitalistic viewpoint it's just like they're like it's not making money i mean if they invested in it maybe they could i know sometimes people say it needs better advertising tv deal but that's not that doesn't fix everything not everything is down to marketing right because otherwise everything would be popular at some point because oh you just need to market it because there are major things that have been marketed that flop sometimes there's things that get no marketing and they're super successful just think of like kind of like a movie that gets praise and gets big through word of mouth like something like paranormal activity if you remember those films when that film first came, i know this is a little side tangent but when that first film when that film first came out it was not again a major release it was a tiny thing i forget how many screens it played on but it was a small limited release but then it got word of mouth and it built and built and built and built and built and then became this huge franchise whereas i don't know pick any recent flop like those universal dark universe films the mummy right it was a big film starred tom cruise i was supposed to kick off a whole universe around the uh, universal monsters and what happened it flopped so that happens and i had a huge marketing campaign around it so there's no guarantee so again throwing money at it won't necessarily fix the problem if you look at uh, nfl or football sorry there's one dominant league which is the nfl and there have been other smaller leagues that have tried to enter a space for football to kind of, because NFL plays like from, I don't really watch NFL, but it plays like from the fall to like the winter basically, right? So there's always like spring and summer and people have tried to fill that void of football, but it's never worked out. Most of these other small leagues don't work out just because there's already the standard. So again, it's the players that put their body on the line so why am I going to waste my time in a small league when I could go and play in that other league that will probably pay more and pay better and have a higher chance at a successful career? Of course, it's not a guarantee. But again, if I get injured, if I get hurt, something happens, well, 
now I've ruined my chances. So it, it doesn't incentivize players to go play in these like other leagues. You know, and even if they do play in those other leagues, you probably would still want to move to whatever the main league is. That's why something like the NFL or an NFL competitor has never really taken off because players, because you think like all, all the rejected players who didn't make it to the NFL would want to go there. But I mean, we're talking like the highest level of football. And I don't think people are just interested in, in seeing that. And it comes down to the same thing for women's sports and their sports leagues is that I would say that as a society that people just aren't interested in it. One of the earlier points that I made was that there just hasn't been enough time to really develop these leagues. Because like something like the WNBA has been around since 1997. It takes time to develop it. So 30 years, I know it hasn't been exactly 30 years, but let's just say it because it's a nice even around that number. 30 years isn't enough time to be a successful league, right? Like like I said, a lot of these leagues have been around for like close to 100 years or 75 years. I don't know. It depends, but a good amount of time. And then an added challenge for, for women's professional leagues now is like not only do you have to compete against these major leagues. So you already have like a major version of the league, right? So for hockey of the NHL, for basketball of the NBA, I don't think there's a professional football league for women. At least I've never heard of one. Soccer, well... In North America, you have MLS, but like you have the European leagues, which are like the, you know, big money makers. It's like, well, you got to compete with that number one. That's already like the standard. So how do you, how do you, how do you get there? It's only going to take time if it becomes successful at all. Because also time is not a guarantee that it will be successful. So not only do they have the main leagues that are the big money draws, they also have a whole bunch of of other things that distract us all you know there's so much stuff just in the world to competing for our attention so it's like well how, how do you compete with that just in general so that's that's also adds to the problem compounds a problem could it be possible that one day we get a point where there's women's leagues where they're paid more than a million dollars or probably i wouldn't rule it out right now i don't see it again i'm probably not for another like 50 years if i had to guess I don't think anytime soon, because again, any person that does that, they're going to have to take a loss. And I don't think, even if you have a billion dollars, I don't think someone wants to lose a bunch of money, regardless whether or not they have something else that can still keep them afloat. I just, I just, people just don't want to waste money in that way. Oh, I shouldn't say waste money, but spend money in that way at, at a loss. And so again, so just before we end, another thing is... Uh, which I had mentioned uh, prior, but just want to reiterate is that different, like I said, they're different leagues that pay, but for other competitions, so for like tennis or golf or like uh, soccer tournaments or any like uh, international competitions, so it could be soccer, hockey, like the Olympics, all that stuff. That is all like, again, they're all separate entities. So even though they're playing the same sport, you know, the men's version, the women's version of the game, playing the same sport, it's all separate entities that control all these things. So they're not in agreement. I know here for tennis, for example, uh, I think I saw a news article about this, about why like the women's, uh, we have the Rogers Cup here. There's a men's uh, tournament and there's a women's tournament. And there's questions, well, why are the men paid more compared to the women for, for each version of the tournament? And it dealt with like, the sponsors of both the women and the the men's version of the tournament. So even though they're both called the Rogers Cup, the way that they're financed 
or through different entities. So it's not controlled by like one central organization that says, okay, we're going to pay, you know, men this much. We're going to pay women this much in terms of the prize money. Cause like the way people make money in tennis and golf is like they play in these tournaments and where do you place dictates how much money you make. So if you come in first, you get a certain amount of prize money. That's how you make money playing tennis is outside of your endorsements and all that stuff. If you become a big enough athlete to get endorsements, so it's like, how, how do you standardize that? If the, if this is whoever is responsible for putting up the prize money for the women's version of the tournament is different from the men's version. Like there's no obligation between the two to provide the same amount. I mean, there could be public pressure that, you know, changes that. I'm not saying because of it, you, that's the way it is and we can't ever change it. But I'm just saying that's part of the reason why. Same with like, like I said, international competitions, it, it really depends on, you know, the sponsors and the organizing body and then their negotiation with each nation's governing body. So like for soccer, it's like FIFA organizes a tournament. They have sponsors that put in billions of dollars because this is something where the top players in the game of soccer play for their national teams. Each national team has their own organizing body that, you know, regulates the sport in that country. And then they determine how they pay their players. Like this has come up in the U.S. where the women's team is asking for more because in that case, the women's national team for soccer has been more successful than the men's national team for soccer. And, of course, that gets into a different dynamic of where all these teams are in their professional development in terms of, like, the skill, skill development of the players and all that stuff. So the women's, like I said, the women's game is different from the men's game. There's less teams in the women's competition. And I think the level of skill between those teams is more on par compared to the men's teams. That's just in general. In hockey, the, all this in the women's game internationally, the, the skill level is the same between the U.S. and Canada. And then the other teams significantly drop, uh, significantly less skilled compared to the U.S. and Canada. So if you go and look, if you go and look at those teams... You'll see almost every single major tournament, the finals between Canada and the U.S. I think there's only two instances off the top of my head where the final is not between the U.S. and Canada. Right. So that just tells you the level of competition. And then if you look at all the stats for all the games, if Canada or the U.S. is playing not the other team. So if the U.S. is playing a team that's not Canada, generally, I think from when I last looked at this, their average is like they win like by at least five goals. I would say on average. And same goes for Canada. If Canada is not playing the U.S., again, this is for women's hockey. If they're not playing the U.S. or playing another team from another country, again, like the average is like at least like five goals win. So that's different compared to the men's team. So the men's game is different. Like there's no, the level of competition between the men's teams in international hockey tournaments is more on par between, you know, like five or six teams. So there is no uh, you're going to win every game that's not against the U.S. or Canada if you're the U.S. or Canada, where you're going to win by at least five goals or score at least five goals, right? And then if you watch the final games or games between the U.S. and Canada, like back to women's hockey now, for the, between the U.S. and Canada, generally they're one-goal differential games, generally 3-2. That's what it tends to be if you look at the finals for a lot of these tournaments. So it's like different levels of competition. So that dictates, again... What dictates how much they make at these international tournaments is the amount of money that gets put in 
to the competition. So for the U.S. soccer team, now I know I'm a bit scatterbrained here, but going back to the women's soccer team who have been more successful in terms of winning World Cups, I think they have four, maybe five. I can't remember, but you know they're a good team. You know, as much as they anger me for beating Canada. Uh, I think it was at, was that the Olympics or was that one of the World Cups? Anyways, regardless of that, as much as they angered me for winning that game, which they should not have won, Canada definitely should have won that game. Uh, you know, they're a good team. So do they deserve to be paid more? Yeah, I don't, I don't care. Like I said, I'm on the side of the players. So if they, hey, they're winning, they should be getting paid. Because you have to look at, well, how much money does U.S. soccer bring in? Again, so this is also where the numbers come in. So how much do they get paid? How much does U.S.? U.S. soccer make from these games and then you know how much they dole out again depends on how much money the the organizing body receives from the sponsors from the advertisers right that's kind of what pays for all this stuff I mean yes people buy tickets and stuff but it's the sponsors that's why like for if you notice like at the World Cup or whatever only certain logos can be shown because they put up money like Coke McDonald's I think Samsung they put in a lot of money to make sure their logos are seen there so it depends how much money they put up. Now they're going to put up less money if they're sponsors for both soccer tournaments, both World Cups. I don't know if they are, but let's just say for this example that they are. They're probably going to put less for the Women's World Cup because it's going to receive less eyeballs. So there's going to be less people watching. There's going to be less interest generally. The games get carried and stuff, but not to the same amount as the main tournament. So that's going to dictate how much money each team receives from because the same thing like golf and, and tennis for international competitions is you get prize money depending on where you place so if you make it to the tournament you get a certain amount of money if you make it to the second round you get a certain amount of money you make it to the third round you get a certain amount of money if you make it to the final round you get a certain amount of money if you win you get a certain amount of money so that all depends on you know the organizing body so fifa how much money they get and then they distribute that to the national teams governing body and then they decide how much each side gets so if it's the men's team how much they get depending on where they place and other games that they play like friendlies and stuff like that that's you know it's not it's not a simple oh you get this much you get this much because you're men you're the men's team you're the women's team it's more complicated than that and again it's driven like by the capitalistic need to make the most money at the top because I am a sponsor, I want to recoup my investment. So it kind of trickles down like that. So I've probably droned on about this for enough time <laughs> now. So I think we'll end it there. Those are just some thoughts to consider as to why women make less in professional sports. And again, I am not against them being paid more. They probably should be paid more. Again, every athlete should probably be paid more compared to what, you know, the owner or the league makes. Definitely underpaid compared to, like, again, if you look, look at how much, look at who owns certain teams and look how much league revenue is and then look how much players get made. Do you think players, whether they're men or women, doesn't matter, think they get paid too much? You should see how much the, the owners make. They probably make way too much. But anyways, we're going to end it there. So I have been your podcast person pavlo also known as jpav also known as pav also known as pavi and again our non-legal legal disclaimer you know these are just my opinions that i've been espousing here today and in other episodes and 
other people have also espoused their opinions and that's just what they are opinions you can agree or you can disagree you know we are not the ultimate source of truth what i say is not final definitely up for debate you can feel a different way about this or you can agree it's good if we're all in agreement so once again thank you for listening peace